Greetings, in the precious name of Jesus. Welcome to all. Thank you for all that was shared here this morning. I uh, I was ministered to and encouraged and blessed and challenged and drawn into the presence of the Lord. And that is the intent of gathering, right? And it it um, it was a thrill to me to have again see the various gifts of brethren and youth and see them coming forth in ministry and blessing us that way. So thank you. Let's take a moment and pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you this morning for this gathering. Thank you for all that are here. And Lord, if there are any who would have desired to be here and are not able, we ask a blessing on them as well. That your spirit would not pass them by, but minister to them in their own circumstances. And we think of the Hirsch family this morning in Haiti there. Bless them. Bless them with continued peace regarding the situation and bless them with continued wisdom in how to relate to it. Father, as we now look into the scriptures again, we ask for the Spirit of God to be our teacher here this morning through the Word of God, giving understanding. Lord, we want to present the Word as it's as you intended it. Help us with that, Father. Help us, Father, not to give our own understanding, but to have the Spirit of God making the Word of God known to us. So, thank you for each one here. Bless each one. Meet our needs here today again as we continue on the journey, Father, closer home. Each one, we're closer than we were in the past, and uh, each moment gets us closer. Father, again, just uh, commit our moment this hour to you. May your will be done in earth as it is done in heaven, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) All right, you can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. I'll uh, read a scripture to introduce the subject. We've been still in the same vein of thought that have been for, I believe it, I'm not sure if it's the last two messages or what it's been, several. Uh, And I'll kind of... Rerun a few things a bit just to uh, keep everyone or pull everyone together this morning as there's some here as visitors and some who've not been here for some of the past messages. So in order for this uh, message to uh, come out right, we will want to get the context that we gave the last several in as well. And we'll get to that shortly. Luke chapter 6, verse uh, 20 And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, 
for yours is the kingdom of God. And then down to verse 24, but woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Now we'd like to preach a message on those verses today. I've titled the message, Blessed Be Ye Poor. And I guess I would like to uh, try and be careful. I'm going to try to be careful that I don't uh, shoot the arrow and then draw the target around the arrow. But that we rather put the target up there and then aim for the target. Uh, A little illustration that was given here a week ago or so and kind of stuck with a few of us at least. Also, I'm uh, going to say that uh, I will not be able to say everything that could be said on this subject, but uh, we will try to give it a fairly honest and uh, fair uh, assessment of what Jesus intended by these words that we've just read. Um, Again, just to give us the context a little bit, uh, we talked about some of these things before. Sermon, this is uh, in Luke's uh, uh, gospel. It's what is sometimes referred to as the Sermon on the Plain. Um, In Matthew's gospel, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. We don't know for sure if it was two different sermons or if it was two different uh, people's rendition of the same sermon. It really doesn't matter. Uh, I believe they were, if we look at the context, it appears they were given either at this, yeah, very close proximity of each other. Um, so, but, uh, and the point that, uh, I brought out, which, uh, shows up here in Luke, but doesn't particularly show up in, uh, as such in Matthew, is that this, uh, this sermon, as it's given here in Luke, uh, very short rendition of the Sermon on the Mount or Sermon on the Plain, it is given immediately after calling the twelve apostles. And appointing them as apostles. So, uh, it kind of makes sense. You know, he calls out those twelve and then he presents to them, as we would say, the laws of the kingdom. This is my, this is what my kingdom's gonna look like. This is how it's gonna function. And in the past, we noted how very, very different that was from the old covenant. And how very, very different, um, uh, how that was such a dramatic shift in the thinking of the apostles and, and the Jews that even up until the moment before Jesus ascended, the, 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 uh, uh, his disciples looked at him and said, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And they were still thinking in terms of what the old covenant promises were and what it would look like when the nation of Israel was living under the blessing of God. And Jesus, and, and so, uh, Jesus had taught them, uh, he introduced his kingdom to them, uh, the principles of his kingdom, uh, here in Luke, in, Ma- in, and also the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, and he had walked them all the way through his life, and still at the end of it, they still ask, based on the Old Testament, and the Old Covenant, and what it looked like in that, uh, situation, they still had that as a part of their thinking, wilt thou at this time, 
bring us back to where Israel is the glory of the world, is what they were really saying. And, uh, but after the, after Pentecost and the Holy Ghost came, they suddenly understood it very differently. Um, so that's a very quick, uh, rundown of, of, uh, of that, um, that, how different those things were. Um, and again, just to, just to think about it a little bit, um, when God, uh, and we want, in light of this scripture and in light of the scripture uh, that we've read and in light of the message this morning, we need to take a little bit of time to look at the old blessing, the, the blessings of the old again versus the blessings of the new. In Genesis 12, 2, God says to Abraham, and I will make of thee a great nation. A great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Here are the words of Moses to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 4, verse 7 through verse, and verse 8. For what nation is there so great, who hath God so nigh unto them, as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is so great, that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day. And so the the focus there was a nation. And a nation is a nation. A nation is a visible nation on earth. They're a people. They're uh 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 and that was the that was the focus of the blessing. Uh, God had promised a nation, a nation that was going to rise up and and be uh, so vastly different because it was governed by the principles of God. It was going to be so vastly different that it would demonstrate to all the world the 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 beauty and the majesty of a living God. And uh, uh, and Israel, that was uh, that was his intent with Israel, and that was his. Uh, his his plan, and let's go to Deuteronomy chapter uh, 28 again, and look at that scripture that we looked at the last uh, several times. Deuteronomy 28. <clears throat> God is going to have a nation in the old covenant there. I'll read verse 1 of 28, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And uh, there it is. If they would walk with God, if they would obey God, they would be set above all. All nations of the earth. They would be the king of kings. If you can say it that way in an earthly sense. They would be the power of powers. Uh, they would, there would be, oh, let's just look at it. Hey, the Lord says, uh, the Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out to thee one way and they shall flee seven ways. Verse eight, that was verse seven. Verse eight, the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and all thy settest thy hand to. And he will bless the land, he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Uh, The Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee. If thou keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, walk in his ways, 
And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, and in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, and the land which the, in, in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give rain unto the land in its season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, thou shalt not borrow. The Lord shall make thee the head, not the tail. Thou shalt be above, not beneath, if thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. <clears throat> and that gives us a real quick little glimpse into what the blessing and the, and the purpose and the power and the fulfillment of God's plan was going to look like in Israel. Powerful, amazing, on top. No, not beneath, the head, not the tail. Everything they did would prosper. And when they walked with God, it was that way. And, it, and, they, and uh, like we said uh, in previous times, it, it basically the, the uh, pinnacle of that experience came in the days of Solomon for a time where, you know, when the Queen of Sheba came. And she had heard of this amazing kingdom. And she came with her royalty and observed it. And, to, and, and walked away saying the half wasn't told. She was breathless at what she saw. And, uh, and that was the way God was working. And that was the way God worked with Israel. And that's the way, and he, and he, uh, he, and he was working with a nation. Remember that. A nation. Visible nation. You can see it with your eyes. You can go visit it. And you're gonna see the glory of it. But then, <laughs> we get into the uh, days of Jesus. And Jesus is born in this lowly stable. Shows up on the uh, on the world scene in, in at about thirty some years old. Begins his ministry. Calls out twelve disciples to be those who are going to be close to him. Those he's, who he's going to disciple in the ways of his kingdom. And in the rendition of Luke, the very first words, Blessed be ye poor. Whoa. Do you think those were shocking words? In light of what we just looked at, of what their concept of the blessing of God was. The blessing of God was nothing but prosperity. The blessing of God was when the, when they were blessed of God, everything would go well. They would be on top. They would be the winners. They, their enemies would be under them. They would be prosperous. Their land and cattle would do well. Blessed be ye poor. And he has more to say. And uh, we, we taught on some of this in the past weeks, but just for the context, let's look at it again. Blessed be ye that uh, for uh, that hunger now. Blessed are ye that weep now. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and separate you from their company and reproach you. Very different message than uh, what was what they were uh, what they were thinking when they th- were thinking of the blessing of God and and God's kingdom. <clears throat> But remember, it was a visible kingdom in the Old Covenant. 
In Matthew chapter 3, and maybe it would just turn there, we have... Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. It says, we ought to be read verse 1 and 2. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There we have somewhat the beginning of the introduction of the new kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. In... Uh, And turn over to Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom. There's a a new thing coming here. It's a kingdom of heaven. It's not a nation of Israel. It's not an earthly nation, it's a kingdom, and it's a kingdom of heaven. In, uh, let's uh, turn to Luke as we, th- as we lay a little more groundwork, and I, these uh, things are not new to any of us, I trust. Luke 17. <clears throat> Luke seventeen twenty and 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And so there we have a very, very, again, this is very significant shift. This kingdom is not going to be a kingdom that you're going to be able to say over there it is. Or it's over there. It's going to be a kingdom that lives in the heart of men. And yes, you're going to be able to say, oh, okay, over there is a group of kingdom uh, disciples, you know, believers. You're going to be able to do that. But it's not going to be a given nation. Uh, earthly nation, earthly establishment as such. It comes not with observation. It's not, uh, it's not, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a heavenly kingdom. And just another verse. Jesus in John 18 verse 36, um, when he was, uh, before Pilate and was being, uh, was being, uh, Condemned to the cross. Jesus says these words. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And that is a very, very powerful statement uh, concerning uh, Christ and his kingdom, though the you know, the scripture, the New Testament teaches it throughout. But that statement just really nails it down. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, if it were an earthly kingdom, my servants would pick up the sword and they'd go for it. But it's not an earthly kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. 
Now is my kingdom, but now is my kingdom not from hence. It's a spiritual kingdom. A kingdom that lives in the spirits of men and women. A kingdom that lives in the heart of men and women. In John, when John was, uh, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he talked about the new birth and, and, uh, and the spirit, being born of the spirit. And he said it this way, it's like the wind, you cannot see it, but you see the effects of it. That's the kingdom that Jesus built. You can't see it, but you can see the effects of it. You can't reach out and just physically grab it, but you can clearly see it. You know, see the effects of it when it's present. A kingdom that lives in the spirit and in the heart of men and women. It's manifested by a change of heart. A change of values in the heart. That's how this kingdom is manifested. And we... We see it here in, uh, we talked about it in the last message, I believe. Uh, we see it, it's manifested by uh, values such as going the second mile, turning the other cheek, forgiving men their trespasses, not resisting evil, returning good for evil. That's how the kingdom is manifested. Again, very different than... The old covenant kingdom, nation. It's a spiritual kingdom with spiritual blessings manifested by love and care for others, in short. And then Jesus says to Peter in Matthew 16, verse 18, I say unto thee also that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And there we have kind of the introduction of the church uh, as such in that of the assembly of those believers. You know, we were largely talking about on an individual perspective, each person having it in their heart. And then comes the church and the assembly of those believers. And the government of that being not a physical government, but the government of the hearts of the people. Coaching us. The purpose of the church is not to decide whether uh, uh, you can... Uh, to, uh, the purpose of the church is not to settle the land squabble you have with your neighbor or decide whether you can build that building or not or... Whether you should have a raise on your job. That's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church and its the assembly and its government is to to, uh, nurture your spiritual life and experience. And to nurture us in the kingdom of God. And to nurture our hearts in faith toward God. That's the purpose of this kingdom. And that's where its government is going to be. And is in the heart of the people. So I say all of that, kind of again looking at bringing out these two, this uh, this kingdom, this spiritual kingdom, to lay the groundwork for these verses that we're going to talk about this morning. 
Blessed be ye poor. Why does Jesus pronounce a blessing on the poor at the introduction of his kingdom? In Matthew, it says that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I don't know why the two say it differently. I don't know how uh, you look at these verses that we just read this morning. But they're kind of shocking verses, aren't they? They're the kind that you kind of read over and you think, well, I'm not sure what they mean. And I'll go on and read something else. You know, I just keep on reading. But they're kind of shocking verses. They really are. Um, and they're there for a purpose. So we don't want to ignore them. I don't want to ignore them. <clears throat> and like I said, I, I, uh, I am concerned lest I shoot the arrow and then draw the target around it. And I don't want to do that. I want to put the target up there properly and then aim for it. So we have, going back again now, let's go to, let's go to uh, uh, Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount and talk about it a bit more, this subject. So in Matthew chapter 6, so we have various teachings here in Matthew, and then in chapter 6 we get to verse 19, where, and I believe we'll read verse 19 through verse 24, Jesus says to them, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Now we have tucked in that in that context there, we have those uh, verse 22 and 23 about the light of the body being the eye and so on. I'm not, I didn't take a lot of time to focus on those verses and I'm not even sure how they exactly fit into this context of what we're seeing here. But uh, uh, we clearly have a teaching here about uh, you know, laying up treasures, uh, as he says here uh, in verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures where? On earth. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. But, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Why? For where your heart is, or excuse me, for where, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. <clears throat> where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, it would be, 
it would be fairly easy to think, and that word treasure does uh, give, when, when, when I looked at definitions, it did give the idea of, uh, of uh, preserving something or storing things up or uh, uh, keeping valuables, you know, just kind of that uh, idea of something that's extraordinary type of thing, uh, perhaps. And we'd like to think, well, I mustn't really be talking about the daily necessities as such, you know. But then when we read on, we we discover that he uh, begins to teach us about uh, not being, uh, verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Well, now that's daily necessities. Don't be anxious about those things. So we can't just throw it out and say, well, he's not really talking about just the daily necessities. He's talking about something more than that. Uh, but, hey, it all comes in view, I believe. But let's think about it a bit. You know, lay not up for yourself treasure upon earth. for uh, But uh, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. So there is obviously two different places we can have treasure. One of them is here. One of them is there. And wherever the treasure is, that's where the heart's going to go. In other words, uh, treasure is something that's precious to us, probably, I guess, or, or meaningful or uh, important, or at least we put it in our heart as a place of importance. Uh, so where, 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 our, where the treasure is, that's where our heart is going to go. Now, does that... Uh, does that mean then uh, that we really shouldn't have anything? You know, does that mean uh, we just, you know, anything that we have is a treasure and if we have it, it's going to pull our hearts and therefore we shouldn't have it? Is that what he's saying? Well, I, I would, uh, I would uh, suppose probably not quite that, uh, that extreme. But let's think about it a little bit. Let's just think about this. A home or a house, your house. A house can be a house. Or a house can be a treasure. Is that right? Some people have a house. But I think we all admit that some people have a treasure for a house. You know what I mean? How about a, a truck? A truck can be a truck. But a truck can be a treasure. Is that right? A truck can also be a treasure. How about a business? A business can be a business. Is that right? But a business can also be a treasure. Do we agree? It can. Can food be food and only food? Or can food be a treasure? I'm not 
quite so sure about that one. I don't quite know how to put that in the category of a treasure, but I guess if, uh, if in our hearts it's what we are focused on, we might get to a little more of that later. But let's think about this one. Clothing. Clothing can be clothing. But can clothing be a treasure as it's used here in the scripture? I think we admit it can be, right? What are we... Let me raise this question again. Why did Jesus pronounce a blessing on the poor? You know, I guess it's reality that a man who doesn't have much doesn't have much to put his trust in. Is that right? If you don't have much, then there's not much that you can put your trust in. These are just kind of thought-provoking things to consider. They're, they're not, none of them are a, a, a completed thought in themselves. <clears throat> and we realize that just being poor is not salvation. Or there would be a lot of people saved in our world. We know that. Just being poor is not salvation. But, uh, but the Lord had a message for us, and we want to try and dig that out today somewhat. <clears throat> Maybe the question I'll raise is this. Are we willing to admit that if there is any one thing that the scripture holds up as a threat to our success in the spiritual kingdom that we were talking about, the kingdom of heaven. If there's any one thing the scripture holds up as a threat to our success, it's money and possessions. Are we willing to admit that? That the scripture has a lot to say about money and possessions being a threat to our spiritual success. Has a lot to say. More than we will look at today. And our number one uh, uh, first thing we have to do is be willing to own that and admit that. The scripture really does have a lot to say about that. And I believe what Jesus meant when he said, blessed be ye poor, is that it is easier to have things in a right priority if we don't have so many choices. Right? So if you don't have very many choices, it's not as difficult for you to prioritize that right choice. But if you've got all sorts of... So, just to wrap up our thoughts there a little bit on that point, again, we talked about a home being a home or a home being a treasure, a house being a home or a house being a house or a house being a treasure. You know, it has, has a, has a, it has a, has to do, again, it has to do with the focus of our hearts in all these things and as it, uh, And it's a little bit challenging. (laughs) The challenging part is, we'd like to say it all depends on our heart, but then God says, well, you put your treasure here and your heart's going to go there. And then we say, well, no, it depends on your heart. And if it's, you can have it if your heart's right, you know, it becomes a bit of a, how does this work? Anyhow, maybe we'll move on and we'll try to give a a bit more definition as we go. Uh, Let's...
Let's consider now, uh, we, we ask why did uh, Jesus pronounce a blessing on the poor, the introduction of his kingdom. I'd like to raise the question now, what shall we do if we're not poor? Now, uh, I, I, I'm not a big statistics person. I enjoy them when I hear them, but I don't search them out much. don't always think about searching them out. But I know that we're considered among the world's wealthy. I'm just going to say it that way. Not not the wealthy wealthy, but we are, you know, in our, uh, uh, in America here, in the uh, culture we live and what's available to us and, and, and compared to other countries, third world countries, and even some in our own, you know, uh, cities and so on, we are considered wealthy. So, uh we all have to reckon with these scriptures and find an answer uh, and how they relate to us. So what do we do if we're not poor? Are we going to miss that blessing that Jesus talked about? Blessed be ye poor. So are we going to miss that one? Do we, do we, do we uh, not have an opportunity at that one? Let's turn to Luke 12. Luke 12, verse 13, says, and, and one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, teachable moment here, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Possesseth, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Beside, because I have no room where to bestow my fruit. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much good goods laid up for many years, Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. So here we have uh, at the end of uh, this last verse, verse 21. So is he that layeth up treasure treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We have those two different places of treasure, you know, for ourselves here or uh, over there, rich toward God. So this man, this man had a problem. It was a good problem, I think, from his perspective, at, at least at one point. His crops were doing exceedingly well. And I think every farmer would say that's a good problem to have. Your crops do so bountifully that your storehouses don't hold them all. Oh, boy, that's a good year. Sure makes a farmer feel good. You know, maybe your business is doing so well you can't keep up with all the orders. You've got to build on and increase capacity. You've got to meet the demand somehow. Take advantage of the opportunity while it is here. 
couple more years like this and you'll have it made. Business is doing well. People like your product and what you're doing. Just think, a couple more years, you'll have a lot of money laid up. You'll be able to enjoy life and have fun. But there's a problem, as there was with this man here. There was a problem. He was going to die. He was going to die. And he wasn't going to be able to take any of it with him. So what should he have done? And what should we do? If what we're doing is prosperous, that may vary, but we'll talk more about that as we go. But what should he have done? He made a, pro- he made a mistake. We, we all agree with that. He made a mistake. He, he, he laid up. He laid up. He laid up with plans to enjoy it. But there was one problem. He was leaving and his stuff was staying. And then it was going to be someone else's to enjoy. You know, the scripture actually gives us the answer here. In... uh, Just a bit later then, in verse 22 of Luke 12, uh, Jesus goes into this uh, dialogue of taking no thought for your life, what you shall eat for the body, what you shall put on. Uh, The same thing that we had back there in Matthew, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount there. This is a bit later in Luke here. But uh, but anyhow, we get over to uh, verse 32, and the Lord gives us the answer. Uh, for this gentleman in what could have been a very, very wise choice. And what might just be a wise choice for us if we feel like we're rich, like our things are prospering. In verse 33, Jesus says these words, Sell that ye have, give alms, provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth and no moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There the Lord gives us the answer to success. If, uh, if you're not poor, here's a solution. Sell that you have. Give. Find needs to minister to. And you will lay up treasure over there. In bags that won't decay. And thieves will not break through and steal it. And it will be there when you get there. Is basically what he's saying. Uh, and that is a, a, an answer to the problem that this gentleman had. And it's an answer to the problem that we should consider, I believe. Uh, as we consider our own hearts in these matters. What do we do? Uh, should we always be seeking to build our businesses bigger because the opportunity is there? Should we always be seeking to increase ex- uh, uh, production because the demand is on? 
should our businesses be growing by so much percent every year? Is that a biblical concept of business? I think those are questions we need to ask ourselves. Those are concepts that are uh, in the business world and even in the Christian business world are being pushed on, uh, uh, yeah, being promoted. But I think we better examine them a little bit by scripture. At least a little bit. I understand. I understand business uh, and bigger businesses especially need to be run with prof- professionalism. And there's a lot of employees that are in the, in, uh, that are depending on that business. And it can't be done foolishly. And it does need to be done with vision and perspective. But I still raise the question about some of those ideas that a business is, unless it's growing by a certain percent every year, it's a failing business. I, I, I guess I dare to challenge us with the scripture on that concept. And I encourage us to, to uh, consider uh, where we fit in this scope. <clears throat> are, we, are we functioning? Are we functioning with the same concept that this, uh, this rich uh, farmer had? That uh, the opportunity is here. It's going well. My product and services are in demand. Add on. Hire more help. Increase production. And just keep pushing. And that, well, we'll settle some of that out in the end a little bit. But uh, I just want to challenge us. And allow our hearts to be challenged by the scriptures. Concerning these things. And not just to read over these scriptures and tuck them away somewhere. And think, well, they don't apply to us. So what should we do if we're not poor? Look for opportunities to bless others with your abundance. Convert it to heavenly treasure. In Psalm 62 verse 10, the psalmist says this in the last part of the verse. He says, if riches increase, set not your heart upon them. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Good word. In First Timothy, let's let's take a look at that. First Timothy, we also have Timothy's word on it. First Timothy six, verse seventeen. Paul writing to Timothy says this charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. You know, it's interesting. has the same tenor of the things that we've just looked at. Same ideas. Look at some of the things that it says. Those that are rich. 
not to be high-minded. That's a that's a problem if you're if you're well-to-do. You can become high-minded, look down on others who are not. To not trust in uncertain riches. It's easy. If you have it, it's pretty easy to start trusting in it and become secure in it. And and yeah, not be have your trust in the Lord. Like that verse there, and we might look at that later, but in uh, in Matthew where it says you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve them both. So not trusting on certain riches. That they do good. Be quick to, to be doing good. Rich in good works. Ready to distribute. And willing to communicate. Looking for opportunity. To, to uh, uh, channel those blessings. Into uh, needs in our world. And thereby uh, ministering to the needs of others. And as it says in verse uh, in the last verse there, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. Again, you know, converting it to heavenly treasure. So, uh, what should you do if you're not poor? What should you do if you're experiencing significant, significant material gain? The Lord gives us some answers to that. Being uh, rich in good works, ready to distribute, and willing to communicate. And then we'd like to raise one more question. Yet, rich or poor, what should our number one priority be? Rich or poor? Uh, and I'm saying that, I'm not saying it as a question, should our priority be rich or poor. I'm saying if we're rich or we're poor, irregardless, what should our number one priority be? Let's go back to Luke. Luke chapter 12, we'll just pick up a little there and then we'll go to Matthew. <clears throat> Luke 12 We have this uh, this entire context here, which we referred to. I'm not going to read it all. Uh, 22, it talks about not taking thought for our life, what we will eat, neither nor the body, what we shall put on. Gives us the example of the ravens, the birds, the lilies, and how God takes care of them. And uh, and comes down to verse 29 and says, And seek ye not what ye shall eat or drink, or what ye shall uh, neither be... Seek ye not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Uh, so, uh, the, the, uh, we could, uh, we could say it this way. Um, we well, let's go to Matthew. Let's go to Matthew and look at Matthew. Then we will. Then I'll make a few comments. I'll wait to make the comments till we get. To, so we go to Matthew chapter six, verse twenty-five. We have a, a similar, a parallel passage. 
verse 25 through verse 34. Again, it's the same context or the same thoughts. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or for the body. Behold the fowls of the air, verse 26. Uh, verse 28, consider the lilies of the field. Uh, and then verse 32 again, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, so we have uh, we have the, so rich or poor, what should our number one priority be? And it's given right here. Uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Our number one priority, our, the priority that overarches all of life, wherever we find ourselves, whether we are an employee for somebody for, for the, all of our life, or we're a small, uh, have our own small business, or we are a business owner, uh, it doesn't matter. We're a business owner with a hundred employees. It matters none. Here is the number one priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Make that the overarching priority in everything you do in life. The kingdom of God. How does, uh, how does this fit into my uh, kingdom perspective? You know, and making those decisions day by day. How does it fit in the, in the kingdom perspective? And having that, uh, <clears throat> having that uh, kingdom uh, priority in everything we do. And as it says, as we look at these scriptures, we might be tempted to wonder, well, okay, the birds, they don't see, the, they don't plant a garden and they get plenty to eat all winter. Uh, that's because there's enough of people around that feed them. <laughs> uh, but no, that's not true. Uh, anyhow, what, what God is saying, or, or let me finish that thought. Maybe we, we're tempted to th- say, okay, uh, does that scripture then mean that I shouldn't plant a garden and, and put some things in the freezer, raise a beef so that I have some meat in the winter? You know all those kind of things. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't uh, begin to doubt that that is not what our Lord is referring to. That we shouldn't be industrious and that we shouldn't be uh, working with our hands and 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 gardening in the summer when it's gardening time, uh, and so forth. Uh, but he has a point that he's trying to get across, and that point is that the number one overarching. Uh, perspective in our hearts and lives is not these things. Not what we're going to eat. Not what we're going to wear. Where is it going to come from? How am I going to have enough? And, you know, I, I realize that, you know, I've, I, you know, think about the first pilgrims that came across and set up housekeeping or, or here and, and, uh, they had to fend for themselves. I, I've never been anything close to that. And these scriptures, if I was a believer, and these scriptures would all of a sudden take on whole new meaning if, if I would have been living in that situation and people are dying around me of starvation and, and, uh, it would become really real. You know, I've never been there. You know, sometimes you wonder if you have the authority to talk on things like this. But we're, 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 we're being exhorted to, to not allow those things to become the number one thing in our hearts and that our lives revolve around that. And we make life's decisions around that. We make life's decisions uh, uh, and choices around 
what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, what we're going to drive, where we're going to live, how we're going to run our business, and all those kind of things become our priority rather than the kingdom. And that's the thrust of it. To rather have the kingdom as our number one focus. And how will uh, this decision in my life affect my kingdom focus? How will this decision affect my kingdom focus? How will this one? And uh, to function that way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's going to look different for different people. I believe that with all my heart. We're not... uh, we're not all going to work the same thing. We're not all going to... Uh, it's, it's going to look different for different people. Some will choose to be an employee all their lives. Others may run a small business of their own. Still others may operate a larger business. But all of us, irregardless of where we find ourselves, all of us have to come to grips with these scriptures and figure out how does it fit into my life. How does my life fit into these scriptures, rather? How, you know, we have to reckon with them. We have to answer to them. We have to look at them and say, okay, how does my pursuits and my uh, uh, goals and my, uh, yeah, how does it fit into these, uh, into these scriptures and what Jesus is teaching us here? <clears throat> You know, I've, I've known of a situation some years gone by uh, where, a, 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 I'll use the term Mennonite, a Mennonite businessman wanted to become the largest business in the, I think, in the United States, at least in the eastern United States, in his type of business. And he pursued that, and of course, as you can guess, his his faith kind of went out the door in that pursuit. But I want to say that those kind of ideas shouldn't be our shouldn't be our, something's wrong with that kind of a concept. To have the kind of focus where we're in this business and we are going to become the top of the pile. We're going to become the largest in the nation. We're going to become the, 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 you know, the, it, that, that concept, I would say, does not fit what we've been looking at today in the scriptures. And we have to be careful, uh, in our pursuit of business. In, in, uh, and I realize, uh, competition is good and competition is right. And I think it should be there. But for us to take the attitude that we're going to somehow push our competition out so that we can have a greater business, um, we need to examine those kind of attitudes. Uh, I don't think they fit into today's scriptural perspective. So, all of us need to come to grips, regardless of where we find ourselves, regardless of whether our bank accounts are big or small, our possessions are many or few. We have to come to grips with uh, the scriptures and the things that we were looking at. Now, <clears throat> I'd like to look at just one more scripture in conclusion. And there is, there is more that could have been brought into this subject, but I think we have sufficient for today. 
But I'd like to bring up, uh, 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 just follow the scripture here in Matthew 7 just a little bit. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 1, after all that we looked at in Matthew 6, Matthew 7 says, Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly cast out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. <clears throat> now this uh, this is, as somebody tells me, this has become the most quoted scripture in in our day. But uh, I'd like to look at it in its context today. So we've talked about, uh, we have Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount here, and there's a lot that is recorded in the Sermon on the Mount that we haven't looked at so far. But we've had a thorough, fairly thorough exposition about uh, treasures, earthly goods, you know, uh, how we handle them, how we relate to them. We've had the exhortations of our Lord here about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We've, we've acknowledged that that's probably going to look different in different people's lives. It's not going to be the same in everyone's life. Uh, I don't believe that, uh, I don't believe at all that the scripture in any way indicates that everybody's bank account should always have the same amount in it. Uh, it's, it's not, uh, uh, going there at all. In fact, it, it, but it brings these scriptures to our hearts. We need to reckon with them. We need to consider uh, where we're at. Uh, uh, and one thing that I didn't put, uh, uh, give any attention to, in fact, is in verse 33. And it says, And these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And these things shall be added unto you. Uh, as you walk with God, God might, might just bless you. Uh, doesn't mean he's... Go- uh, I don't believe in any kind of go- prosperity gospel that by walking with God we get a great blessing and lot, uh, lots of prosperity. That, And uh, uh, and uh, just because we're, we're prosperous doesn't mean that we are actually uh, so, quote, so spiritual. Uh, but it does say he'll add these things unto you. So there's, there's going to be things added to you, uh, our lives. There's going to be things added to our industrious efforts. There's going to be... So all those things are going to take place. And uh, and all of us, if we're a believer in God conscious, we have to, like we said this morning, try to look at this and consider where is my heart in these pursuits. But then he comes right along and tucks in these verses about not judging. Is it possible that he's actually uh, putting it in this context on purpose? Because we are probably tempted to judge each other pretty quickly in these things, aren't we? You know, it's pretty easy for us to look at someone who's quite successful and running a pretty big business and seeing how he does things and just kind of, you know, kind of just have a little bit of a, you know what I mean, in our hearts? Just kind of look down a little bit, you know, something about that. Just, well, not sure. Um, judge not that you be not judged. You know, that scripture also has a place in scripture, has a purpose for being there. And uh, and as we look at a at a kingdom pursuit in in all these various ways, uh, even going on back earlier in the in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, I would suggest that it is actually here to warn us to not be too quick to judge each other on 
as we, you know, as we as individuals come come to grips with these teachings in our own lives, uh, that we're careful not to stand back and kind of shoot at each other, judge each other, uh, condemn each other for our efforts in, in following the word of God and so forth. So I just bring all that out for our consideration. Uh, I, uh, while I bring a strong word to be uh, to consider our hearts in the, in in uh, each of us considering our hearts in uh, the pursuit or yeah in the pursuit of business and how we pursue it and what we do with it when it succeeds and all those kind of things to bring a strong word but then also the scripture has a fairly firm word about us judging each other and how we respond to that so. Something for us all, isn't there? Let's just take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you again this morning. Thank you for your word, the teachings of our Lord. Today's message, probably for us in our culture where we have lots, we have many opportunities, it it uh, it cuts a bit. It, it, it might even uh, go down a little bit hard. But I pray, Father, that we we don't want to miss this blessing. We want to, we believe the Scripture gives solutions. If we live in a prosperity, a time of prosperity, the Scripture gives solutions, and how we as Christians should respond to that. God, do give us wisdom, and uh, help us to examine our hearts and to hold these things in a in a uh, heart of uh, that is right before you, and a heart that is only uh, holding them as a steward before God. So, Father, again, thank you. Thank you for each one here. Uh, pray a blessing on each one of us. And keep us, Father, in your care as we endeavor to continue our journey and walk with you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>